Great, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, so this morning I would, um, well, <laughs> it wasn't my idea, but God asked me to speak about peace this morning. And um, so I'm just going to give you a couple of um, meanings, and then we're going to pray and get into it. So in the dictionary, peace, there's a couple of meanings. The first one is um, what you would automatically think of. Freedom from disturbance, tranquility. Um, and some of the synonyms are calm, quiet, and stillness. The other meaning is a state or period where there is no war, um, or war has ended, and some of the synonyms are order, harmony, and goodwill. So yeah, this morning I'm wanting to kind of explore what God's intention is for us with respect to peace, and there's lots of scripture about peace. So I'm just going to pray, Lord, um, we just uh, thank you for this time together, Lord, and uh, I just pray that as I speak this word, that um, everything that's of you would be of value and would be taken up, Lord, if there's whatever's of me, that, that would just fall to the ground, Lord, and that this word would achieve um, what you have purpose for it to achieve. Give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the names of Jesus, um, as we know in Isaiah, is the Prince of Peace. So in Isaiah 9 verse 6, um, it says, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Jesus said in John 14 verse 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then there's also Philippians 4 verse 7 and sorry, 4 verses 6 and 7, which um, Kerry was speaking about a couple of weeks ago. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what is this peace that comes from God? And um, I looked on a Christian website and found this, um, this really cool quote that says, The peace that comes from being in a right relationship with God is not the peace of this world. The world's peace depends on having favourable circumstances. If things are going well, then we feel peaceful. When things go awry, the peace quickly dissipates. Jesus made the distinction between his peace and the world's vacillating peace. Peace I leave you with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The believer who places his or her full confidence in a loving God and is thankful in every circumstance will possess a supernatural peace. An inner calm sorry, will dominate the heart. The faithful believer will know peace. His heart and mind are guarded by it, despite the tempest raging without. No one, especially those outside of Christ, will be able to fathom that peace. To most it will remain a mystery how someone can be so serene in the midst of turmoil. And I think this has been a theme that's been kind of coming through at church over the last little while. Um, so I just wanted to, to share a story, something that happened in my life probably about eight years ago. Um, 
I, a good friend of mine said, um, I think you should, I had a kind of a mole on my leg about here, and she said, I think you need to get that checked out, it looks a bit dodgy, and she um, was a nurse, so I thought, yep, that's probably good advice. Um, I had actually had it checked out previously, and the doctor said, oh no, that's fine, it's just, you know, people get those, so don't worry about it. Anyway, I went back to the doctor, and he, um, he said, no, we need to, like, we need to cut that out, doesn't look so good. Um, so I think I was going on holiday and I didn't want to have a big, like I was going to the Gold Coast with some friends and I, yeah, so anyway, I put it off for a little, like a few days or a week or something, went back and had it and he, he took out this huge hunk out of my leg, um, sent it away and came back and the, um, the specialist said, you know, we need a bit more of a margin um, and it is a dodgy one, it's melanoma. Um, so that was cool, they booked me in really fast, we have an amazing health system a lot of the time and um, they booked me in real fast and um, did a day surgery, took out another huger hunk um, and some lymph nodes just to see if it had spread and um, it was just a, a really interesting time, I, I'm actually grateful for that time, it was kind of scary and we made some really pretty bad jokes I used to say to Dean you know oh well you know I've got I'm well insured you know you, you know that boat you've always wanted <laughs> but um but yeah it was a bit of a scary time and it just made us reevaluate things um and but the the gold that came out of it and I used to I used to be on singers at church I was on singers for years and years and I can just I can really vividly remember um you know being on on singers and singing one of those songs and we've been singing a few lately about you know no matter what's happening in the world when no matter what's happening in my life I'm gonna you know I'm gonna praise you and I just really was able to sing you know those kind of songs and it was it was true and um, and it was amazing to me, and it was it was revelation, and it was um, just really exciting to know that you know when everything was shaken, and you know at the bottom of it, my life was solid on that solid rock of Jesus. Um, and you know, because sometimes you don't know until you know until God things, shakes things up or the life shakes things up. Um, so that was yeah, that was a, a really precious time. Um, so and so fortunately, just before Christmas, and the surgeon said, you know, you've, I've got the best Christmas present for you ever. Um, the lymph nodes are clear. We've, we think we've got it all, and you know, um, you should be good. Um, so that was cool. Um, and it did just give us a bit of a fresh perspective. We, um, you know, we'd always worked really hard to. Um, put all of our money into our, getting our mortgage paid off. We, we bought a house at the time when, you know, interest rates were 17.5% and it was, um, it was hard going. But, um, but after that experience, we're sort of like, yeah, you never actually know. And we, so we took the family on a holiday um, to the Gold Coast and, um, yeah, it just, just gave us a little bit of a, bit more of living in the now and in just enjoying um, the life that God's given us. So what more can we say about the peace of God? And um, I remember studying this a while, uh, quite a few years ago, just um, wanting to understand the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. And many of you will know that and that it's used in, as a greeting. Um, and the understanding that I took away from my study was that that, that word, it means um, it's more than our word for peace. And it means nothing broken, nothing missing. Um, which is just a beautiful, a beautiful concept. 
Um, and so my understanding is that God's plan is to bring us to a place of completeness or wholeness where nothing is broken and nothing is missing. Um, and we all go through stuff because we live in a broken world and, and because that's how we learn. Um, and the Bible says that even Jesus, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Um, and part of life and part of being a follower of Jesus is that there will be suffering. And uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, Susan Perlin says, um, with regards to shalom, the ancient Hebrew concept of peace rooted in the word shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety and prosperity, and carried with it the implication of permanence. And Rabbi Robert I. Kahn um, gives a contrast between the, the Roman word peace and the Hebrew word shalom. So peace, one can dictate a peace, but shalom is a mutual agreement. Peace is a temporary pact, Shalom is a permanent agreement. One can make a peace treaty, but shalom is a condition of peace. Peace can be negative, the absence of commotion, but shalom is positive, the presence of serenity. Peace can be partial, shalom is whole. And peace can be piecemeal, but shalom is complete. Um, so now we're going to watch a little uh, YouTube clip. I found this awesome, the Bible Project has this awesome summary um, about the biblical meaning of shalom, which I just found really fascinating, so I hope you enjoy it. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. 
And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Pretty cool, eh? So that's on YouTube. If you just look up the Bible Project and probably put shalom or peace, you should um, be able to find that. Thank you. So I believe that God wants to bring us to a place where we are at peace with him, at peace with ourselves, and at peace with the people around us. And this is not an overnight thing, but a process. But thankfully, Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you, in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So I just want to look at six um, ideas or six keys um, that will help us to partner with the Holy Spirit in the work he wants to do in our lives um, towards making us whole. Um, so firstly... Obedience, um, being to, obedient to God, not just hearing what he says, but doing it. And last time I spoke, I, talk, I talked about trusting and obeying him in the big things and the small things. Secondly, thankfulness. We need to be thankful, don't we? Um, the word says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we choose to find something to be thankful for, and to make a habit of being thankful, we have a completely different perspective on things, don't we? And it's so important that we pay attention to what we're thinking in our hearts as well, deep down inside. Um, Luke 6, 45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man or woman 
brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So it's so important to pay attention to our hearts, isn't it? The third thing, choosing to trust rather than worry. Um, The Bible says, do not be anxious. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's a choice, isn't it? When we're anxious, we're not handing the issue over to God. We're choosing to dwell on the the problem and letting it go round and round and round in our heads. Um, And we know that worry doesn't change anything, but we still do it, don't we? Um, So when you become aware that something is going around and around in your head, then you've got the chance to stop and choose to hand it over to God. I know for me, sometimes I have to hand things over often, over and over. (laughs) You hand it over and then you think, oh, hold on, I'm worrying about that again. Okay, God, here it is again. Um, And you can actually ask, and I've done that, is ask God to make me aware. Because sometimes it's just, you're on autopilot, aren't you? And you don't actually realise that you're worrying about something. But, you know, God is very good if you ask him, just make me aware so I can do something about it. Another thing, another key um, that has been really cool in my life um, is that I ask God every now and then I'll say, when I feel like I'm on a fairly even keel, (laughs) I'll just say, God, you know, what's the next step? What's the next thing you want to show me? I I always want to be growing. I always want to be learning. What's the next thing you've got for me? What do you want to show me? What do you want me to learn? Um, And he's so faithful to do that. And I've always thought that God's a bit like a personal trainer. Um, you know, because the things that he's going to show me and teach me and the journey he has for me is different to the journey that he has for you and what he's teaching you. Yeah, I mean, we're all different. And who better to be our personal trainer than the person who made us and designed us, who crafted us lovingly um, and knows how we tick. And... You know, I was thinking, and sometimes, you know, it's so easy to look at somebody else. Of course, none of you do this. It's must, probably just me and people in other churches. But, you know, you look at somebody and you think, oh, man, God needs to work on that. <laughs> but, you know, who are we? What do we know? God might have six things he wants to work on before he think the one that the thing that we think is so obvious, you know. Um, um, you know, I love to intercede and pray. And you know, when you when you pray for other people, you might see something in their lives, but it's not your job to go and tell them, you know, or tell anyone else. It's your job to pray for them. You know, that's what we need to do. Okay, the next key is forgiveness, um, and that's another huge key towards peace with God, ourselves, and others. Um, and again, the, it's not like we're on our own with this stuff. Um, the Holy Spirit is just ever-present and wanting to help us and teach us and remind us. Um, so it, it's easy for us to have unforgiveness towards others, but we can have it towards ourselves. We can have it towards God. And sometimes we're not even really fully aware. Um, so it's, it's great to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, to show us if there's anything, if we have any unforgiveness towards other people or if we're holding, you know, giving ourselves a hard time over something perhaps unnecessarily or if we're holding a grudge against God about something. And 
there's things that we can work on, just God and us, you know, um, and, and that's awesome. But sometimes there can be deeper issues that we actually need a bit of help. Um, and so we can go to a friend, someone we trust, and talk to them, pray with them. Um, but then there are other things where you actually need professional help. And you need to go and see a, a counsellor. And um, for me, I've, I've found it really helpful at different times in my life to meet with a counsellor. Um, it was for me personally, it was really um, helpful and freeing to, to know that I was paying that person for their time so I could just, you know, be totally honest and just, you know, you didn't have to feel guilty about taking up their time. Um, and, um, and also, um, I, I've always had um, Christian counsellors and I've, um, I kind of see it as it's a threefold thing. It's the counsellor, it's me and it's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we've, I've always gone to people where we prayed and asked the Holy Spirit because he's the best counsellor. Um, so, yeah, just prayed that he would just lead and guide through the process and it's just been awesome. Um, and the, the final thing is that we can make sure we've got healthy input. Um, that can really hasten our journey and help towards making us whole. Um, you know, they, I, I always used to say to the kids, you know, you know, you are what you eat and, and all that, but also it's not just what you eat physically, but it's what you consume in other ways through your ears, through your eyes, is really important. And we, we are blessed to live in this time. You know, there is just an abundance of great reading, great listening material available today, isn't there? We're so spoiled. Um, you know, I often used to... Um, used to um, well, I do this myself. Um, I'll think, oh, you know, a good old song. I'm not going to like make everybody at church sing that good old song. I'm going to go find it on YouTube or Spotify or drag out a CD. I would say tape, but we've got nothing to play them on. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we've got the Bible and heaps of different versions. We've got audio Bibles. I've, um, we've got, I've got an audio um, of the Message Bible on CD and I just love to play that in my car. Um, it's awesome. Um, you know, there's, there's books. You can, you know, we've got the Lane Park Church Library which has got heaps of great books um, you can borrow from friends. You know, um, awesome Christian bookstores. Dean and I picked up a couple of books from, um, written by Craig Groeschel um, at the Arise Conference, which as soon as I've read them, you're all welcome to borrow. Um, so, yeah, we're blessed. Good input. So uh, what are some of the benefits of growing in peace and wholeness with God, ourselves and with others? And what is God's purpose in it? I've just got a few ideas. Um, firstly, we, can, we become a lot more effective serving God and achieving his plan for our lives. Um, also, we have more joy and contentment, and Trevor spoke about that just recently, about joy. Um, and one of my favourite Bible verses, and one that was really significant for me, was John 10.10, 10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I remember thinking, you know, okay, obviously it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy, and that's obvious. Um, but Jesus has come that I can have life and have it to the full, and other versions say abundant life. And I remember it just being at a point in my life where I was like, 
well, where is this abundant life, God? You know, you say that it, sh- it should be abundant. Does it feel very abundant? Um, and that was a, gr- a great question, and it was that sort of led me on a path of just continuing, I guess, to do a lot of these things, have good input and um, have some counselling and all those kind of things. Um, also, um, another benefit is that we will grow in our influence, our leadership in whatever sphere we find ourselves in. And as Dane was saying last week, you know, we are all leaders. We do all have influence. And um, so I just want to share a little story, just quickly, um, about our daughter Natalia and, and an experience that she had sort of in her leadership as a Christian. Um, she uh, had just left school and she needed like a Christmas job or just a part-time job. She was planning to, to study um, a design degree the next year. And um, she really wanted to work at this shop Lush in Palmerston North. You might have heard of it. It's the one with the smelly, you can walk past a Lush shop and you know because it's very strong smell. Lots of soap and all kinds of body creams and stuff. Um, Anyway, she really wanted to work there and they had an event coming up. So I shouted her and we went to the event and a few days later she put her CV in and got the job and that was great. And I've always said said to my kids, you know, we're a Christian family, you guys are Christians and you follow God. So my expectation is that wherever you work and whatever you're doing, that God's favour will be on it. You know, you, you're you not just in that workplace to earn a dollar. You're there for a reason. You should be praying for your workmates. You know, you're there to, to be a leader and to have influence. And um, so she did, she did that. She got the job. She was there as a Christmas casual. And then they employed her um, part-time for while she was studying, which was awesome. She absolutely loved it. And um, I tell you what, they, that company is very good at training leadership. They, um, everybody has to give feedback. Everyone has to receive feedback. They've got all these amazing systems. Um, she learned probably more about business um, working there than she did in the business papers that she did as part of her degree. Um, it was great. But anyway, they, it came to the point where... Um, the plaza, which is where the shop is located, this, the mall, um, decided that they were going to raise the rent significantly for the shop and also that they required them to have a complete refurbishment. And the company, um, Lush, realised that that was going to put them in the red for about the next 10 years. And so they said, you know, well, we're going to have to pull out, we can't do this. And so the, um, the, the like, national training lady and, um, came and had a meeting with all the staff and, um, and Natalia came home like, in tears, absolutely devastated. And, um, but she'd said in the meeting, she said, oh, it would have been really great if we could, would have, I would have loved to just give our customers one last Christmas. And if you've ever shopped at Lush, Christmas is the time to shop there. They get in all this awesome product. Boxing Day, everything's half price. It's the only sale they have all year. Anyway, um, unbeknown to her, um, the training lady took that comment back to the guy who was head over Australasia and said, you know, one of the staff said, oh, it was such a shame, we'd really love to give our customers one last Christmas. And apparently he cried. And um, so they decided, the decision was made, um, 
they came back to another meeting and um, the training lady said to the staff, who said, you know, would have liked to give them one last Christmas? And Natalia didn't even remember. It was all her workmates said, oh, that was Natty said that. Um, anyway, Lish decided we're going to do it. We, they took out a, like an extended the lease short term and and um, so the, the team working in that store decided, right, okay, we've been given this opportunity, we're going to go out with a bang. We're not just going to get a little bit of product in, we're going to get heaps of product in, we're going to really go for it. So that's what they did. And the plaza, short time later, the plaza came back to them and said, what have you done? What are you doing? The sales are just going through the roof. It was just going so well. And by that stage, Lush, Lush was like, yep, okay, we're out of here. And the plaza said, no, you can't go. Well, what could we do to make you stay? We're not going to put your rent up. Um, how about we offer you a prime spot at Sylvia Park for, to open a Lush store up in Sylvia Park in Auckland? Can you, will you please stay? So they ended up staying, um, and the shop just went from strength to strength. The, Natalia's... Um, supervisor or the bo the manager she went up to Sylvia Park and was and opened the store up there and it was really cool because Natalia and her husband were up in Auckland at that time and they went to the opening so all that to say that you know whatever you're doing wherever you are working wherever God has placed you you're not just there to take up space or to bring home a paycheck you know no matter where, where what you're doing God's favour is on it, you know. It's your job to be a leader in that place. Whether you're leading one person or hundreds, doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, that's just my encouragement to you. Um, okay, the other things about becoming more whole. Um, we can take other people on the journey with us. Um, and we know that ultimately growing in character, peace and joy is not actually for us, is it? The goal is that we raise up other people who will stand on our shoulders and do better than us. You know, for Dean and I, our goal being here at Lane Park Church is to see a huge group and generation of leaders who are bigger and better than us, who do things more, who go further, um, you know, who achieve more in God. That's, that's the goal. When I was thinking about the subject of peace in the Bible, this verse came to my mind in Matthew 10, 34, and I thought, this doesn't fit the theme. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Uh, Jesus said, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And, of course, the sword that, that Jesus was talking about was not a literal sword. Um, in fact, when Peter took up the sword to defend Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus rebuked him and told him to put it away and said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. But what kind of sword did Jesus come to bring? And I found on the website it says, it's inevitable that there will be conflict between good and evil the light and the darkness, believers and those who refuse Christ. Conflict must arise between the two groups, and this can and does happen within a family, and we've known that ourselves, <clears throat> in which some believers, some are believers and others are not. We should seek to be at peace with all men, but should never forget that Jesus warned that we will be hated for his sake, because those who reject him hate him, and they will hate his followers as well. 
So there's no denying that we are in a battle. And I was actually going to wear my camo pants today. <laughs> um, and many call this battle a spir- spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare sounds like a pretty scary, hard to understand thing, but it's, it's not really. And I like this definition that um, Drew Larson gives. Um, as to what it is, he says, let me hazard this as a short definition. Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. And so there's many simple ways that we engage in spiritual warfare, probably often without even realising it. You know, when we choose to be kind to somebody, um, um, one of the most obvious things is when we pray, um, and whether that's in our like our first language, or whether it's praying in other tongues, including heavenly he- heavenly ones, um, which is often called tongues, praying in tongues. Um, one example was last Sunday we had a meeting after church um, with a group of people um, talking about Hani and and things, and we had the real privilege of Rawari uh, closing the meeting in um, in prayer into to Rayo, and we sang a waiata. And, um, and it was cool because even though I didn't understand what he was praying in Māori, um, it just really touched my heart and I felt like crying. <laughs> um, it was just really beautiful and I was really able to say amen and agree with him. And so prayer is a wonderful and powerful weapon that we have in the battle. So in conclusion, I believe that God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit train and prepare us bringing us progressively into a place of peace or shalom or wholeness for a purpose. The Bible says that we are to be salt and light in the world, and we were definitely not purchased by the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus for no reason. Um, And he didn't suffer so that we could live a safe, happy little life, you know. We're supposed to be living a big life. Um, we're part of a spiritual army involved in a spiritual battle. And we, all of us, God's church, are God's plan A for the salvation of this world and for us particularly, this upper hut community. We're plan A and there is no plan B. So can I challenge us all this morning? It's me too. We all have family members or friends or workmates, or uni mates, or schoolmates who don't yet know Jesus. And we need to think, where will they go if their life is required of them? And what are we going to do about it this week? I'll just pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are so good. Lord, that you are so faithful and that you have a plan for us, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that we have your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, uh, to bring us through things, Lord, to grow us, Lord, so that we can be an influence in this world, Lord, so we can train up others to be better than us. Lord, I just pray that you would please guide us this week. Um, Lord, bring people to our minds that we can pray for. Lord, show us opportunities where we can serve people, where we can use the talents that you've given us to be a blessing in this community. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.